Welcome to the podcast of Central Church. This is our latest weekly message. Hi, everyone. Just making some space. Oh, no, you can wait a second and I'll... Um, this afternoon, we're going... You're going to get to witness something slightly different, hopefully okay, um, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But... I thought I'd like to do one last week on Acts chapter 10. So we have had um, two messages on Acts chapter 10, um, the story of Peter and Cornelius. And I think if you were at house church last weekend, you would have sort of wrestled and discussed and thrown some things around together um, as a house church um, last weekend. So I'm hoping that most people are reasonably familiar with this story. Um, And when we were planning and organising the passages and doing bits and pieces that we were going to be looking at, I knew that this passage of scripture in particular lends itself really well to looking at some things through the lens of spiritual direction. So I'm going to talk for a little bit to start with about what spiritual direction is. Um, And then we're going to, I've got my friend Kim here, and we're going to role play a kind of spiritual direction that bounces out of this passage. Um, Yeah, so I know you are always up for creating, what was that? Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, Eloise. Oh, just go on. This is going to be amazing. Um, Really brief outline of this story if you want a recap. So Acts chapter 10 takes place about 10 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Um, The early church is in its, well, very early days. We're still, I mean, you could say 10 years is a long time to be building a church, but we're 2,000 years in and we're still giving it a good whack. So, you know, in some senses, it's, it's that. The early church really hasn't expanded at all beyond the familiar borders of what we read about in the Gospels. So the Gospel hasn't really gone past Jerusalem, Judea, Galilee. It's still sitting in that very familiar biblical geography. Um, We have two characters mainly in this passage. We have Peter, who is Simon Peter, who we know so much about from the stories of Jesus, and we're very familiar with his life as it leads up. And then we have Cornelius, who is most likely a Roman centurion who spent his life soldiering and keeping the peace, Roman style, in um, his occupying territory of Israel. So this story in particular is a real kind of like insight into the struggles of the early Christians and the early church. And this chapter is a real gift um, to us. I mean, we could say the whole Bible is a gift to us and that that's true. But when I read this passage in particular, I think it's a real gift because we see quite clearly a few different things. Like this, this chapter is sort of capturing how the Holy Spirit is working both in Peter and in Cornelius. So we get to see sort of these quite unique personal accounts of how the Holy Spirit is is working in these people, working with what they know and also attempting to take them deeper into the ways of God. Um, This 
this chapter also really kind of recounts the early church's struggle to see that the gospel was for the whole world and not just for the Jews. So even though we're 10 years into the gospel story, by and large, it's still in the domain of the Jews. And the idea that the good news of Jesus Christ is for the Gentiles, in in fact, the whole world, that was a wrestle for the early church. It wasn't a no-brainer. Now we kind of look back, all of us presumably are Gentiles, and we think, my goodness, that's a no-brainer. How did you not just know that Jesus loves everyone and the gospel is the salvation of the entire world? And so it's easy for us to, you know, with our context, look back and imagine that, you know, we don't really understand. But they, this was hard for them in the same way that there are issues in our context today that we wrestle with that are hard for us that in 50, 100, 200 years, people might look back and go, how did they not know that was a no-brainer? Does that make sense? Like, so we get to actually see a wrestle going on um, with, you know, going beyond what is known boundaries. And it kind of gives us an example of um, how we see people wrestling with what they sense the Spirit of God saying and what they have always been known to be true. We see this real wrestle and that is a very human wrestle that I think most of us in this room would have experienced. The tension between what we've been told and what we are experiencing in God and how we reconcile things that are mysterious, things that don't seem to make sense, things that we don't quite understand. So that's the context of chapter 10. And when we planned, I was like, oh, this is such good food for spiritual direction. So you, many of you might know that I am about halfway through a four-year course in um, training to be a spiritual director. And Kim, my friend, we are in the same year doing the same training. And so we're, you know, you could say we're half trained. And so if, you know, together, that's it. Yeah, together tonight, that's one fully trained spiritual director. <laughs> Um, I know, like, you might not actually be at all um, familiar with what spiritual direction is. And so spiritual direction is one of the ancient spiritual practices of the early church. It probably came to, like, came into being probably around the time of the desert fathers and mothers and the early monastic movement. So it became an embedded spiritual practice more in the monastic sense where they recognised that were people making a dedicated decision to follow the spiritual path and that people on that path needed help because to just grow spiritually um, is a mystery. And so out of that, um, spiritual direction became a kind of practice that you know, would be a conversation between two people with the aim of spiritual growth and understanding growing. Um, I think this idea is sort of, it's, it's not, a, not a new concept that you would have someone that you learn from, learn with, learn alongside. Um, and that's present in a lot of spiritual traditions. And even in our Christian tradition, we might be familiar with that kind of thing. But spiritual direction, it's not mentoring. It's not accountability. Um, And in a way, you could say it's not discipleship. So it's not the idea that the spiritual director knows things and is teaching them to the directee. That's not what spiritual direction is. Spiritual direction is more like two fellow pilgrims on a journey who are familiar each with the spiritual path 
but one perhaps has progressed a little further or understands the geography a little better in order to listen well to the other person. Um, so, and, and in, in, in modern day terms, the idea of spiritual direction, like the word direction is a bit of a, a poor word <laughs> because they're not directing you to do anything. <laughs> um, but that's just the ancient word for spiritual direction. Um, it's, it's more like, it is more of an alongside kind of thing. Um, a, an idea that two people would be kind of growing together. There's this beautiful quote, which is attributed to St. John of the Cross, but I, I couldn't quite confirm that this is what he said. But he, when he's talking about looking for someone to guide you in the spiritual life, he said, do not look for someone who wants to lead you out of the darkness. Look for someone who has been in the darkness and no longer fears it. Which is like your story, Luke, very good. And I, when, when they're referencing darkness, they're not re, they don't mean, it's not meaning evil, it's meaning the unknown. Like a spiritual director is someone who is very happy to sit with you in your unknown knowing that the spirit will lead you out and that the spirit is the guide and that as long as you need to sit in the unknown, they are comfortable enough to sit with you. So spiritual direction comes out of a humble understanding that God is mystery, that the life of faith is often an adventure into the unknown, that we're, when we're talking about spirituality, it's, it's less concrete than learning how to be an engineer or training to be something else. When we're talking about spirituality, we are talking about mystery and the unknown. It, spiritual direction acknowledges that we often need accompanying along the way in order to discern the work of God within us and even the movements of God outside of us and that that's actually challenging to do alone. Um, and so the idea of having spiritual direction is that it recognises that you know, the life of faith is one of richness and depth, but we often need someone to help us navigate that um, and to help us go deeper. Um, this is a helpful um, definition from Lucy Abbott Tucker. She writes, Because I believe that God is present and at work in every moment and at all times, spiritual direction is a conversation between two people where one is primarily the talker, the directee, and the other primarily the listener, the director. And together they seek to discover more consciously the work of God, the movement of the holy. So that's a, sort of the essence of what spiritual direction is. Most people tend to engage with spiritual direction. Um, there's a few different things that might activate you to think, I think I might need some spiritual direction. Um, one is when you're, um, there is something happening in your life that doesn't fit your theological worldview. Like when we hit dissonance, like things we've always been told to be true, but then this is my life and we can't seem to make sense of the two sitting together, that's often a reason why people seek out spiritual direction. That you might seek out spiritual direction when, like, faith stops working. And I'm putting working in those things because, like, faith isn't meant to work. But, you know, that sense when we just hit 
a really hard time and faith no longer makes sense. Our spiritual practices fail um, and we're just left adrift or lost. Um, We can engage spirit direction when we just want to learn more deeply how God is present and active in our life and we want someone to bear witness to that. Or perhaps we're you know, needing to discern something or make a decision and we're really struggling to find like or to sense what God is leading us in. Often engaging spiritual direction in that point is someone else is sitting alongside of you listening and discerning as well is a really helpful thing. It can be done for the short term, it can be done for the long term and, you know, it's, it's another tool in our belts around how we um, just engage God and do the life of faith. So I... I've been having spiritual direction myself for six or seven years, I think, and I engaged spiritual direction because I was reading about it. So I would be reading books about spirituality and spiritual practice and I would be listening to people talk and then they'd be saying things like, and then I went and saw my spiritual director and I'd be like, what is this? Like, how how come I'm, well, I'm 30 Five, 30, and no one, I've never heard of a spiritual director before. And then I'm like Googling spiritual director New South Wales and coming up completely blank. And then I ended up, Linda and I went um, and spent a night at St Mary's Towers, a, a monastery up near, in, in Douglas Park, and I discovered people who do spiritual direction. And I engaged it from there. And it really was for me, it happened at a time when my faith was unravelling, Nothing made sense anymore. None of my felt experience was experiences of God were there anymore. It's like everything had moved. It's like the compass had flipped and I didn't know how to find God. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know if I could keep having faith. I didn't I I was just so adrift. And so I started having spiritual direction and I've had it fairly regularly since then and it's been just an incredible tool in my life for just grounding me, having someone bear witness to the fact that I haven't lost my mind or my faith, Um, someone sit in the darkness with me and recognise that God is with me and leading me through. And it's been a real real gift. And so when, you know, we were were looking at Acts chapter 10 and reading it, I was like, oh, this is exactly what spiritual direction is like because we have these two incidents that happen. We have Peter with his vision which makes no sense to him and he's really confronting and confusing. And then we have Cornelius with his, like, you know, encounter with the Spirit of God who tells him to send for Peter and then has an outpouring of the Spirit and then Cornelius has to refigure his, like, who is God and who is Jesus and where do we go from here? So we have these quite dynamic experiences and that's exactly the type of thing you'd take to spiritual direction. And so I thought what we would do is that Kim and I would role-play it. So I'm going to be Peter... Um, in this spiritual direction and I am going to bring to Kim my vision, which you're familiar with, the blankety thing, and um, we're just going to explore where this goes. So this is what um, we're going to, yeah, Luke, you can come set up some chairs. I'm going to move this out of the way. This, what we're about to do is um, both role play, so an imaginative kind of engagement with this text. But it's also in some way um, real for me because I have sat with this and the same things that Peter 
wrestles with in this text are things that I've wrestled with in different ways myself. So it is role play, but it, in, is, it does intersect with parts of my own story, which might make sense as we go on. Um, and I think as we come to this, so that you're not, like, like yes, you're going to be a spectator, but one of the things I think we're bringing out in this little experience is a sense of the unknown um, and things that we don't know what to do with or things that we have questions about that are unanswered in our, maybe in our faith, maybe in our life. And so as we come to you just watching Kim and I engage over this, I want to invite you to hold in your own heart what you might be wrestling with this afternoon, if there is something. If there's something you feel you have questions about, if there's something that feels unknown, I just want you to take a moment to pay attention to it and just let it sit with you as you're listening. Um, to just bring, so that you bring yourself into this as well. So that's what, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> it's not weird because we're just going to be awesome. <laughs> turn this way and just yeah. pretend that you're Yeah, I should there. do this. Yeah, I'll pretend you're not here. That's much better. <laughs> um, Hello, everyone. <laughs> this is my friend Kim. <laughs> Hello, Peter. <laughs> Hello, Kim. It's good to be with you again. Yeah. If you want to just take a minute to arrive, mm. just pause for a moment, be still, and then when you feel ready, just feel free to begin wherever you want to begin. Well, it's good that we had this um, session booked in because I had um, some, something that happened to me a couple of weeks ago now that was quite strange and I think I would just like to unpack it a little bit to try and figure out a little bit more about what it means and what's going on. Something quite strange. <laughs> something strange, mm. yeah. Not something that happens every day. So maybe I'll just fill you in. So a couple of weeks ago I was staying at my friend's house, Simon, the tanner, and um, I'd been there for a little while and it's just part of my regular practice. I went up onto the roof at midday to pray. It's part of what I always do. And I was really hungry because I'd skipped breakfast that morning for some reason and I could smell what the women were cooking downstairs for lunch and I was just saying my prayers. But I, I just fell asleep, which, you know, happens occasionally when I'm praying. And um, I, felt, but it, I like had this dream or it was kind of like a vision or like a dream. It was, it's, it's sort of, this is why it's strange. It's sort of hard to explain. So I'm... I'm there and I see like this, like this um, blanket or like this sheet, like a piece of linen or like the sail of a ship and it's like coming down from the sky and on this sheet is like 
all kinds of animals. There's like um, sheep and goats and there's a camel and a cow and a pig and then there's reptiles and a snake and all kinds of birds. There was pigeons and um, an eagle and even a pelican. It was... It was like a zoo on a blanket that just kind of descended out of the sky. And, and then I heard this voice and it said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I just had this like oh, response in my body because on this sheet was a mix of like clean and unclean animals. They were animals on that sheet I have never eaten before. There are animals on that sheet I would never even touch because they would make me unclean. And so I said, no way, I'm not going to do that. I've never, I've never eaten these animals. That's like, ugh. I had this like response. Anyway, I heard that voice three times to say, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. And then I, and then I woke up. And, uh, you know, I'm feeling quite, I don't know, confused and trying to process what it is, that, this dream thing. And, and I hear this commotion downstairs and just had this sense from the spirit that, that that had something to do with me. So I go downstairs and there's three people at the gate. There's two servants and a soldier and they've come to take me to this guy's place called Cornelius. Um because apparently he's had some kind of encounter with God and was told to come and get me. So I end up going to his house and it's about a day's journey away, so it took a while. I walk into his house. The house is full of people. It's like he's invited everyone he's ever known, friends, relatives, everyone's packed into this house. It's like wall-to-wall Gentiles. And I walk in and the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, you know it's against the law for me to be here. (laughs) Like I'm a Jew and according to God's law, it's like an abomination for me to be in a room with all of you Gentiles. And like in hindsight, that was probably a really rude way to start. But (laughs) I just like, and I also had this sense that like, I had, do not, God had said to me, don't call unclean things that I've made clean. And I'm standing in this room full of unclean people. So I just had this thing happen. Anyway, then Cornelius says to me, God told me to come and get you and I'm supposed to listen to whatever you have to say. So then I'm like, oh, right, okay. So I just start by telling telling them about Jesus and I share the gospel with them and I'm talking about the life of Jesus and his death and forgiveness. And before I'd even finished speaking, it's like this thick presence of the Holy Spirit fills the room we, we can all sense it. People start praising God. And like undeniably these people who are uncircumcised and unbaptized just have the spirit of God fall upon them. So I end up staying there for three days and we baptized a bunch of people and, and then I left. And that was a few weeks ago. And I just feel like, what was that? That's a big story, Peter. That's a, that's a lot to have experienced. I can see that it's really alive in you as you share that with me. I wonder, thinking of that whole 
experience you've just recounted to me, is there something in particular that you wanted to explore today? Um, yeah, this is, this is what's going on. So that was like a couple of weeks ago now and words gotten out. Words gotten out that I was involved with these Gentiles and that somehow the Spirit of God has fallen on the Gentiles. And now the, the higher-ups in Jerusalem have heard about this and they've asked me to come and explain myself. Mm. So I'm just feeling really anxious and uncertain because it felt so real three weeks ago. But now as a little time has passed... I, I don't know how I feel about it all and I'm supposed to go and explain myself to, to these guys. Mm. And I guess I just I feel anxious and uncertain. Anxious and uncertain. Can, yeah. you, can you say more about that? Well, I'm uncertain because, like, I know what the Torah says. It says that there are clean things and there are unclean things. There are things that are pure and there are things that are impure. Um, and, but in that moment, in that, in that dream, when I saw all those animals and I heard the voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat, and, and God said, do not call unclean anything that I've made clean. And then I find myself in a room with wall-to-wall Gentiles and they're unclean but the Spirit of God is on them. I know what Torah says but, and I know what I experienced and they're just not the same. Mm. So I, that's the uncertain part. Now I have to go and explain myself and I don't even really know what I think about it all. So am I hearing that there's a tension for you between what Torah says you should do and what you've experienced God saying to you in this dream and in this experience? Yeah, I mean, yes, definitely. Like it's black and white in the law. And this vision was multicoloured. <laughs> and yeah, I, I don't know how to reconcile those two. And I guess I'm afraid of, I don't even know what I think. And then I'm afraid of what the higher-ups are going to think of what I've done and if it's the right thing. Was that the right thing? I don't know. Mm. It just seems confusing. You're afraid, you're confused. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm afraid and confused. And anxious because, you know, no, it feels like being hauled in front of the principal's office. It's like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Mm. And I'm not even sure if I'm in trouble. Like maybe I, I don't know. It's just so unknown. Mm. Are you feeling conflicted? Is that? Yeah, I am conflicted. That's, that's a good word. I'm conflicted between what I know and I've always been taught Torah says and what I absolutely know I experienced on that rooftop and in Cornelius's house. And I, I don't know if the two can be reconciled. Mm. And I'm afraid... I guess I'm afraid of making a mistake. Like, yeah, I'm afraid of getting it wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, what if 
Torah is right and what I did was wrong. Mm. What do I do with that? What do I do with what I felt to be so real on that day? And then what I was, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that tension in you, that going back and forward. I wonder if, and I'm I'm going to ask this, but I can see you were sort of sitting (laughs) here like this before. So I may not be, but I'm wondering if it might be helpful to sit with that feeling and that experience of conflict, of tension (laughs) between these Mm. two voices, between these Torah and the community and your experience. Yeah. (laughs) Not really what I want to do, but um, I'm, I'm in tension anyway, so maybe we should explore it. Okay. Well, we'll just go gently. Okay. Okay. And at any point, if it doesn't feel right for you, just let me know. Okay. Okay. Well, if you want to close your eyes and just, it might just sometimes it helps to just be present to ourselves. And I wonder if you have a sense of where that conflict or that feelings of confliction and tension are sitting in your body. Yeah, I mean, I know even as I was sharing that, you just feel it like, so it's like deep in, yeah, deep in me. The words of Torah are so deep in me. Mm -hmm. And yet, this, that experience, it's just, it's messing with that. And so I feel it kind of like, yeah. Just deep in my gut, I suppose. And then when I think about having to go to Jerusalem and explaining myself to those guys, I just feel like there's this like uh, weight on my chest. Like, yeah, just this heaviness of the whole thing having to, yeah, having to explain myself. Mm. So a weight and a heaviness. I wonder if you'd like to ask God if there's an image or a picture for what that, that feeling of conflict that you've represented in a weight and a heaviness. There's a, an image that might come to mind. I feel like it's, um, yeah, it's like it's like this boulder that is just sitting on my chest, and um, when I when I like think about what it, that boulder looks like, it it's like at the center. It's like really bright and there's a lot of energy and it's even sparkling like, um, yeah, it's like really vibrant. But then as it gets closer to the edges, it, it just sort of turns like to dark 
Yeah. Mm. So the, the feelings of conflict are like a boulder that's quite big and, and heavy, but it's got this bright kind of life-giving centre mm. and then it fades into dark edges. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like because, you know, when I was in the moment, like on the rooftop in the room, there was such a sense of God in that. There was like such a sense of rightness. But as as time has kind of passed, it's sort of, I guess I've got so many questions and confusion that what was once like seemed so right in the moment now I'm just really not sure about and it feels that's the just feels hard so something that felt right you're now not sure about yeah and I think you said before I'm worried about making a mistake yeah about getting it wrong yeah I am I feel I feel like in the moment I did what just seemed to come like naturally and what felt right. But now, yeah, I'm just worried about it being wrong. Like, yeah, that, that it just would be a mistake to, yeah, be a mistake. You're feeling really worried about getting it wrong. Yeah. And it being a mistake. Yeah. Especially in front of the guys in Jerusalem. Feeling judged and, yeah, feeling like I, I went against what was right, what they would say was right. Why were you prepared to go against what they would say is right? I think I spent many years with Jesus and You've heard many of those stories. I spent time with a man who was so full of love and so full of presence who didn't seem to matter who, who came across his path. He was just with them. And I would see God move through those encounters all the time. And that's, that's what I felt in that moment. Mm. It felt like, it felt like very like Jesus. Can you see Jesus with you now? (laughs) Yeah, I can see Jesus.
can, yeah, I can just picture him looking at me like he looked at me so many times with this very Jesus smile on his face. I wonder if there's something that Jesus has to say to you. Yeah, I can just, um, I just sense Jesus saying to me, remember the beach. Remember the beach. Yeah, he's looking at me and he's smiling and he's saying, remember the beach. I had this, oh, I had this really, one of the lowest, lowest points in my life and um, you've heard the stories. We were all together in the garden and they came to arrest Jesus and we were there and we were half asleep and we were confused and when they came for him we just were so afraid and we ran I ran I ran away I I I just ran I I left him and and they took him and later on I tried to find out what was going on and I wanted to I don't know I I I just went to find him and I couldn't really get near him and there were people everywhere and there were people looking at me and they kept saying, aren't you one of the ones that were with him? And, and I said, no, I no, that wasn't me. And I, they kept, uh, three times I just said, no, I don't know who he is. And then heard the rooster crow and I, Jesus, he looked at me and in that moment I, I just didn't, I just, again, I ran. I've never wept so much as that night. I, 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 I was, it felt like the worst thing I've ever done. And they killed him and we weren't there and I was so ashamed of, who, who I was and what I'd done and I, we were lost. And then I found, we found ourselves on the beach days later and, and Jesus met me there on the beach and he asked me three times, he said, do you love me? And I, get, I, I, for every time I said I didn't know him, I was able to say, I love you, Jesus. Mm. And he, he said, feed my sheep. And on that morning on the beach, he 
restored me. He made me new again. That's, that's what the beach is about. Mm. Well, remember the beach. Remember the beach. Remember the beach. How is that? How are you feeling? How is that weight, that boulder now? (laughs) Yeah, I guess it feels a little lighter. I mean, I think about that, that those, when I was at my worst, when I'd done the most awful things and Jesus met me and he loved me. Maybe it's okay in this moment that I don't know what to do and I don't know what's right and I might be making a mistake. Maybe it's okay because whatever happens, Jesus is going to love me. Mm, It's okay Mm. in this moment. Yeah. Even if I might be making a mistake because Jesus is going to love you. Yeah. So I feel like I would just, I'm like, Jesus, you can have my sparkly rock. <laughs> you can just, maybe I can just let it be there mm. on the beach between us and just let it go. Where are you now, Peter? Oh. Well, I still have to go up to Jerusalem and explain myself. Mm. But maybe I'm just feeling a little bit, maybe I'm just feeling a little bit more confident in Jesus. Now that I think about it, <laughs> he once said to us, Jesus did, he said, he was, he was always saying things none of us ever understood. And he said, I have sheep that are not of this pen. Mm. And I remember that now. And I don't think any of us knew what he meant. <laughs> but, but maybe this is what he's talking about. Maybe this thing is far bigger than any of us. And I can trust that. Mm, far bigger than any of us. Mm. It kind of feels almost wondrous as yeah. you say that. It does, doesn't it? Mm. And if the Gentiles are in, that's good. Mm. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Peter, it's been a gift to be <laughs> with you today and to hear just the really amazing way that God is meeting you. In this season and so as we close I just really want to affirm your courage thank you thank you Kim
Bless you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Very good. I'll give you guys a moment. Um, yeah, I just, I, I might just give it, give us a moment too, just to reflect on some of what we just heard. I don't know how you felt as that was happening. For me, at the moment, I kind of felt kind of uncomfortable in t different times watching that. Like it's sort of, yeah, there's this intimate sort of um, experience of what was happening there and we were sort of just privy to that. And it, yeah, there was something, yeah, special. But yeah, it, yeah, it's just interesting to be an observer of, of that. So I just want to, yeah, give us a moment just to, to reflect on what, you were thinking about or what comes up for you and maybe there were even things like there was definitely that sense of here's my experience but here's what I've always been told or here's what I have thought and here's what I now feel and the dissonance of of that and so yeah I might just give us um, just 30 seconds or so just to to sit with that or with anything else that came up and just um, maybe you just want to yeah, sit with that and hold and hold that um, in this moment with, with in yourself and with God. And if there's uh, yeah, if there's things that you feel like oh yeah, I should be, oh, maybe I should be paying attention to that, then yeah, I just encourage you to um, yeah to to hold that and maybe you know if there's someone that you need to talk to about about that to to go on to seek that out. Um, yeah, that would be good. Um, but I'm also curious to hear some reflections about our from our director and directee, <laughs> like weird kind of thing to do in front of everyone. And like I think you know you're role playing, but there's probably you're also bringing yourselves to that space. So yeah, I'd be curious to hear how you feel <laughs> in the wake of, of yeah what we've just kind of seen. <laughs> um, it's interesting when you sit and companion someone because, you know, there was a big story there and there's, it's easy to get caught up in the content of a story. But what, what spiritual direction space is really about is what's going on on the inside of this person as they're living this story and how is that intersecting with the movement of God that's been happening before this incident and will continue and... Um, you know, I think we got a little glimpse, you know, in the way that Caro put that together about what had happened in Peter's past and how how it was playing out in this moment and also where God might be leading Peter and the invitation of God for Peter. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think for me it was – yeah, it was really interesting because while the content of the story is not mine, or a lot of those feelings and wrestlings and needing to sit with God and go to Jesus, that's very familiar. So that's like the, the intersectional part for me that even though yeah, I, I didn't have the vision on the roof. There's been other things in my story that have sat dis like that I've had to work through. So it felt 
it felt like it felt in a way like it was, it was real past that for me in yeah in stuff i think i have come to realize that um that everything matters like the things that happen to us the things we understand the things we don't understand like i think i've come to a deep belief that god is in all things mm. But it is hard sometimes to discern just exactly what that is and how that sits and all of that. And so I think we see a bit of that in this chapter with, with Peter resting. You see a bit when you read on and realise that it takes Peter a whole bunch more years to get around to accepting the Gentiles. Like he, this doesn't seal it for him. He's still pretty resistant when Paul comes along and starts preaching to the Gentiles. And so we see we get to see this sort of like, hesitancy and and I recognize that in myself and so I I think you know I have found spiritual direction or you could even just say spiritual honesty or talking about the things that happen to us just really fruitful in in growth and I'm not even in growth like in growth like we talk about growth but just actually being human mm. and being a person a human person with with a spirituality that is worthy to be noticed and listened to yeah. Yeah, I really related to Peter and um, because I think so often when God sort of, I think Lucy Abertucker talks about, you know, we, we get to these points where we outgrow our skinny definitions of God <laughs> or something to do with God when we have experiences like this. But often we doubt ourselves in those moments and we feel confused and because so much is being shaken up and so to tell your story to someone else and have them reflect back to you what's happening is so powerful when it feels like you're in the weeds and it's all messy. <laughs> um, I think that's what I've benefited from, from spiritual direction, but that's, yeah, when, I, when I'm watching you be Peter, yeah. you know, having someone that could hold space and track with you yeah. and help you hear yourself Yeah, I think it definitely helps having someone who's unshockable, mm. you know, can hear anything, can hear all our processing and all our questions and all our doubts and just hold them with us. That's a very powerful thing, I mm. think. In, it's a powerful thing psychologically. That's why we go and see counsellors and psychologists. But when it comes to our spiritual life, it has the same kinds of elements that we often need someone to bear witness to. And, mm. Yeah. And what I love, why I'm learning to be spiritual director is um, that the person knows, like God, I didn't have to tell Peter, remember the beach. God took Peter there. Mm -hmm. So my role as the director is just to hold the reflective space and allow that space for God to meet with Peter. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always so powerful sitting in this chair, what you get to witness. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't always happen as beautifully as we crafted in this moment, don't get me wrong. Sometimes it, there might be an absence of God and we explore that. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's always that scary place as a director waiting to see what will happen. Mm. There's a trust aspect. But I love it because I know that as the director I'm not manipulating the directee mm. but I'm just creating a space 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's good. I think one of the things I've learned through spiritual direction, and it's maybe a little bit different to how I grew up in the church. Like I think I grew up thinking that the voice of God always had to come external. Someone was going to tell me what to do. I was going to be obedient or faithful or whatever you want to call it. But spiritual direction is about discovering the wisdom that's already deep in us, that God, that the voice bubbles up from within and we, yeah, that God is speaking deeply in us and is present to us. That's that's one of the beautiful things. Builds, builds something beautiful in you, I think, knowing that, so... Anyway, thanks everyone for being gentle witnesses of our role play. Mm. I think one of the things I, I guess was hoping to bring across was some of the real humanity of the scriptures. Like 2,000 years can make these people into giants beyond what we imagine. We forget they were people wrestling just the same way that we wrestle and that the Bible is a very human book as well as a very divine, sacred text that it, and we can find comfort and solace in both of those things um, as we read it deeply. So oh, there we go. Um, the, only other, the other thing I thought I might say is that we are halfway through our spiritual direction course and as part of our next step towards being qualified, we have to find a directee to work with. Um, I'm not allowed to do anyone that I know. Um, so if you know someone who might like spiritual direction, who you could hook me up with, I would appreciate that. Um, or if you would like to explore spiritual direction for yourself, Kim needs someone she doesn't know. So if this is something you'd like to dip your toe in, you would be doing us a favour um, by being a slight guinea pig. You've seen a little bit about what it's like. You just bring something, anything. You bring anything and explore it together. So we, for the next two years, need to practice. So, yeah, that's, if you're interested, uh, just come and talk to me sometime and I can point you in the right direction. So, well... I didn't think about how to end this. You can end it. <laughs> so this whole thing was just a big plug to get them. <laughs> just as you were talking, then I was reminded of like Tolstoy says that the kingdom of God is within you, and I kind of think that sort of is really. Well, yeah, that's. It's well, it's Tolstoy's got a whole work where that's he sort of retells the gospels with the framework of the kingdom of God is within you, like that's his. Yeah, that's, that's, that's his interpretation of, of, of what Jesus said. But the kingdom of God is within you. And I think that's kind of what comes out here is that we have the work and life of the divine in us. And um, it's kind of cool that we can also just, that can be, we can be, help others access that through how we listen and how we ask questions. And I think it's an encouragement for all of us to, to bring ourselves to the relationships that we have as well, not just necessarily a spiritual direction setting, but with each other to bring ourselves and to listen deeply and um, maybe not to always bring answers, but to, to bring open, open ears and to bring questions to our relationships and to 
kind of create space in those places to for the kingdom of God that is within us to, to well well up. So very good. Well, bless you all. Have a great week. And we'll see many of you at camp. It'll be good. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more about Central, visit us at centralchurch.org.au. Music by Chris D'Souza, a beloved member of Central. Ha, ha, ha.